Good afternoon, church family. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining me for this week's Midweek Manna. I'm uh, going to be doing a little something different for this week and for next. I, I'm going to be reading from and, and referring to uh, a book that uh, has been very special and instrumental uh, to me. It was... Uh, Billy Graham's very last uh, memoir and, and reflection, Nearing Home, Life, Faith, and, and Finishing Well. So uh, if you are in need of a, of a good spiritual summer read, I, I would recommend this book. Uh, literally with uh, Pastor Graham being gone now, uh, it's something that I even treasure more. But there was a, a chapter that I'd like to uh, read from for uh, this week and, and next week that really spoke to me. So let me uh, open up with a word of prayer and then we'll, we'll begin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, oh God, we take this moment and offer our thanks to you, Lord, for uh, your uh, handiwork that is in our midst, oh God, for literally your uh, handprints, your fingerprints, Lord, all over life. Uh, itself. What a gift that is. Whether those fingerprints, Lord, are a, a, a witness, uh, a, a powerful presence uh, of God through uh, family, through a friend, through uh, a pastor, through a Sunday school teacher, Lord, through um, <clears throat> a school teacher, whomever it may be, Lord, uh, that is that is special. That is holy, Lord. That uh, is uh, your uh, handprint, your fingerprints, Lord, on that gift to us. So we all have, Lord, those people, those witnesses, Lord, and we're thankful for them. We're also thankful for uh, Pastor Billy Graham, oh God, for his witness for how he has made such a huge godly impact, Lord, uh, in and throughout the world. So, Lord, we uh, certainly turn our attention and open up our hearts to you, Lord, as Pastor uh, Graham, uh, even from the grave, Lord, will bless us, Lord, this day. Lord, Jesus was using, Lord, that prayer warrior and disciple of Jesus Christ to transform the world, and we're thankful for that. Bless this manna, Lord, and what it will be in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So, uh, church, I'm going to turn to chapter 7, and the, the title of this uh, chapter is Influencing the Impressionable. And, and just, just a little bit, uh, Pastor Graham is, is talking a, a lot about his own life, his own ministry. He, he's offering uh, in this book uh, particularly uh, how to finish uh, this life well. And just just some uh, reflections based on his own experience uh, in ministry, the people he met, uh, certainly the the wins that he was proud of, but also the, the, the misses that happened too. Uh, he, he documents this in, in this book. So that, that really makes it rich. Uh, so I, I just want to share this, this chapter. It, it spoke to me and I 
hope that it that it does for you as well. So the title of it is called Influencing the Impressionable. And, and I wanted to uh, begin by offering this scripture and a quote from uh, Reverend Graham. Uh, coming from 2 Timothy 1.5, uh, the Word of God says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother and in your mother, and I am persuaded now lives also in you. And then this quote from the unknown here, Wise counsel to the younger is the duty of the aged. So Reverend Graham begins uh, in this way. He says, a new generation of caregivers takes control of kids, read a Washington Post headline in 2010. The article, based on a 2007 Pew Research Center study, reported that one in ten children in the United States now lives with a grandparent. In today's world, with all of the controversy over Medicare, senior citizens, Social Security, and struggling to find caregivers for the aged, this is a breathtaking reversal in roles. Multiple reasons are cited for this remarkable statistic. Firstly, that parents losing their jobs and having to leave home to find work Secondly, parents are active-duty military. Third, parents are incarcerated. Fourth, orphan children. Fifth, court injunctions against drug-addicted parents. Sixth, single parents battling life-threatening diseases. Seventh, teen pregnancy. And the list goes on. A subhead in the article shouted, Grandparents to the rescue. The stories are startling. One grandmother reported finding her two-month-old grandson on her doorstep when she responded to a knock at the door at 3 a.m. He had been left there by her drug-addicted daughter. A grandfather was asked if he resented his retirement being interrupted by having to raise his young grandchildren due to their parents' death in an automobile accident. He said, it is my duty. I certainly don't want strangers raising my son's children. Besides, what are grandparents for? Some grandparents resent the intrusion. Others see it as a blessing and are grateful for the opportunity to provide stability in the midst of emotional trauma difficult for any youth to cope with. For some grandparents, there is a tremendous financial hardship that accompanies their new role. Many live on meager incomes and cannot return to work for a myriad of reasons. Now, 100 years ago, Pastor Graham says, similar conditions would not have presented the same challenges. Multi-generational homes were common, particularly in farm communities that were the backbone of our nation. Society did not look, look down on homesteads where the grandparents lived with a married child and spouse and their several children. They all sat around the dinner table, daily having collectively worked the farm, maintained the household chores, and prepared the meals. Everyone, in fact, pitched in. And then they would 
all retreat to the front porch in the cool of the evening or gather around the fireplace to keep warm in the winter. They would laugh, share stories, and plan to do it all again the next day. Children saw their parents respecting their grandparents, an example that taught honor toward the elderly. The grandparents were grateful both for the hustle and bustle of youth and for the opportunity to support and guide their adult children in parenting. Many from the older generation often said that it increased their vitality and zest for life. While not every family situation was that picturesque, multi-generational homes weren't a bad concept. Strong family ties grew strong, reliable character, and I believe young people who know nothing of that area, or era rather, have missed out on important lessons. My point is that grandparents and great-grandparents today often dismiss the importance of their family role. Respect must be earned and given. While society has belittled the impact of the older generations, the elderly have too easily relinquished their roles without much thought. The Bible tells us to care for our family members, especially our immediate families. That comes from 1 Timothy 5.8. The example must start with those who have lived the longest. Some may say that the elderly are no longer relevant in society, but that doesn't mean we should take a back seat. When the family is destroyed, society eventually disintegrates. Our nation is experiencing this today. A dear friend said one day, It's time we let the young people lead. We had our day. We did it our way. Now it's their turn. I am grateful that my children were influenced by their grandparents. My father died when my children were quite young, and my mother lived two hours away. But the children often visited her until her death in 1981. The children, however, grew up in walking distance of Ruth's parents, that being his wife. They spent much time with my children and made a profound impact in the lives of each. Dr. Bell entertained them with his stories about time spent in China as a missionary doctor. When he got to the gory details, Ruth's mother would scold him for saying such things. The children would laugh with delight, coaxing their grandfather to continue. They still talk about it today. They also refer to the strength they still draw from their grandparents' experiences and wisdom. After all, it is part of their heritage, and they have passed it on to their children and, and grandchildren. This is a lasting legacy. I realize that this is not everyone's story. There are many who have never known the love of home and family. Many have dark stories of abuse and an overwhelming lack of love and acceptance. Society seems to lose more ground with each passing generation. An elderly couple admitted that they, in quotes, have no earthly idea how to influence their teenage grandchildren. They simply could not relate to them, end quotes. In response, I believe that this, perhaps, is the problem. 
we are looking for an earthly solution. We should instead try looking into God's Word. That's where we will find the answers. Peer pressure is a very real thing that impacts individuals and their influence. The Bible says, if you speak good words rather than worthless ones, you will be my spokesman. You must influence them. Do not let them influence you. That comes from Jeremiah 15, 19. In my day, boys felt the peer pressure to smoke, Reverend Graham says. My children's generation felt strong pressure to experiment with drugs. My grandchildren's generation has been assaulted with promiscuous sex at nearly every age and level of society. Because the Word of God has been absent from our public school system for decades, and because families have virtually stopped attending church altogether, there are only shades of godly influence that instruct them to live moral lives and reverence God. It is striking to read how the young are influencing the elderly. One rather young grandmother made excuses for living with a man. She said, My granddaughter thinks that I'm very cool. This is a far cry from life on the farm when a granddaughter would gain insight from a loving grandmother's instruction to, in quotes, teach what is good, that being from Titus 2.3. The older generation should be looking for ways to encourage the younger because they are constantly bombarded with wrong teaching, poor examples, and pressure tactics. A reporter interviewing a 104-year-old woman asked, What is the best thing about being 104? She simply replied, No peer pressure. This may bring a smile because there is so much truth in it. As the old grow older, we are more likely to forget what it is to be young and impressionable. George Beverly Shea enjoys life at 102. He considers me his younger friend. Those who are blessed with living a healthy and full life for a century and counting are in a class all of their own. Amen. Many often ask why Bev can so effectively connect with the young. I believe the reason is that Bev embraces his age with grace and humor and people all drawn to that authenticity. They are invigorated by his good spirit and his testimony to what the Lord Jesus means to him. He doesn't try to redress his beliefs in order to be accepted by, the, by those younger than him. And I find it interesting how many young people visit him and ask him to play the organ. We, the older generation, often sell young people short by giving them what we think they want instead of sharing our experiences. To us, our experiences are old news. To the young, it is information they have never heard and considered. Stanford University held a forum about a decade ago on aging and invited young people to to participate in the discussion. The question was this, 
Why is aging a young person's issue? One student reportedly responded, because we're all on the same journey, and I'd like to know what others learned along the way. That's powerful. What a privilege we have to prepare the way for those who are watching. Do we really take this to heart? We are allowing Satan to snuff out our influence by making us think that no one really cares. In writing this book, I was given comments that were found on a blog from, a young, uh, from young people discussing the difference between the young and old generations. It stated in quotes, We need both generations in society for what they contribute. The younger one questions, challenges, and sparks change. The older one puts on the brakes sometimes, providing the wisdom of experience that can help us make wise decisions for our lives. End quotes. While this may not represent all younger generations, it does reveal that <clears throat> not all of them resist hearing from their elders. The question we are faced with is this, are we shunning the opportunities that come our way to be an influence for good? Or are we being irresponsible in our encounters with those who may take to heart what we have to contribute? The Bible instructs generations to pass on what has been learned. Our youth need to say with the psalmist, this comes from Psalm 44.1. We have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us the deeds you did in their days, in the days of old. Long after you were gone, what will your children and grandchildren remember about you? Wow, that's good stuff there. Sometimes the elderly miss their opportunities. They are too engrossed in their ailments and can be solely responsible for running people off, even grandchildren. Some time ago, a young man wrote to me and said, I wish I could say I have good memories of my grandmother, but all I can remember about her is that she seemed very old, and she was always grumbling and complaining about everything. Another wrote, My grandfather always made our visits fun, but after we left, we would never hear from him. A disheartened daughter stated, My parents are so wrapped up in themselves that all they've been interested in since they retired is having a good time. I wonder if I'll be like that when I get older. I hope not. I hope not too, Reverend Graham says, because this is not the way God wants us to spend our latter years, complaining being unengaged or self-indulgent? What kind of impression are these attitudes and the surety to make on those who follow us? What will they remember about us if we are like this? More important, what do these attitudes teach them about life and how it ought to be lived? The answer is very little and nothing that is good. But God doesn't want us to waste our latter years or spend them in superficial, meaningless pursuits. Instead, He wants us to use them in whatever ways that we can influence those who will come after us. 
God wants us to finish well. And one of the ways we do this is by passing on our values and our faith to those who will follow us. Wow. And I'll leave it there for this manna. I'll pick up next week with, um, in Reverend Graham's words, how to leave a legacy. But good stuff. As I read this and reread it, I'm checking and starring and yesing and amening. But uh, let, let me just make one more plug. Wonderful book by Reverend Graham, Nearing Home. Uh, it will it will bless your life. So we will leave it there uh, for this afternoon, church. And I will uh, I'd like to offer a word of prayer for us. So let's let's do that. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, O oh God, I, I I pray that we can hear uh, these words from Reverend Billy Graham uh, as as a gift, as a blessing, Lord. Uh, the words, whether he was from uh, the pulpit, in the pulpit, or writing a book, or just sharing uh, his life and his faith in Jesus Christ with uh, one person or, or a small group of people. Lord, he made uh, a spiritual impact. So I, I pray that these words from him this day, Lord, uh, will be a blessing, uh, that we can look at uh, this a man of God is an instrument of your grace, of your wisdom, Lord, and of the living Lord Jesus Christ. Bless this day, Lord, bless our church. And we ask this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Church, you have a wonderful day. Take care. God bless you. And we will pick up with part two next week. Take care.